way. So what I'm going to do is I want to read today's scripture for us. We've been journeying through the various parables of Jesus. And today we're going to look at a, a parable known as the parable of the vineyard workers. So I'm going to read, pray for our time. We're going to hear from Donna and then partake in communion together and then close our time with praise and worship. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 20. I begin with verse 1, or you can follow along on the screen. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and the, about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came, those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Will you pray with me? Uh, God, we invite you to, to speak to us through your word. We thank you for the word that you have given us, for your revelation of truth. And I would pray that through today's message, God, through Donna, you would speak to us, God. We thank you that you've given us the technology and the ability to, to be flexible in light of the challenges and obstacles to hear from you, receive from you. So God, help us to be attentive, open our hearts, our minds, speak to each one of us. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I'm sorry I can't be with you today, but I'm going to talk today about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And I've never really liked this parable because it seems outrageously unfair. And fairness appeals to our sense of what's right. We like fairness. So this parable seems kind of wrong and disturbing until we really look at who we are and what God is like. The heart of the parable is in verses 12 to 13, where those who were hired first grumbled about those who came later. And most of us can relate to that. We understand the early workers and how they feel. We understand how that feels unfair. And this parable raises all the frustration we feel when things are unfair, when things don't go the way we expect them to, and we think we're being overlooked and mistreated. Last fall, for a few weeks at the beginning of the school year, every time I picked up my granddaughter, Kaya, at school, she would stomp to the car, throw her backpack in, and snap at her brother because she was in fourth grade and every time the class was unruly and bad, the whole class lost privileges. 
And she was one of the few doing the assignments, so it was so unfair. You could see the steam rising from her ears. And we all know that feeling. We've all been kids on a playground yelling, that's not fair. And we've all been in situations where someone didn't do their fair share, and we ended up being treated unfairly and feeling upset. When people don't show up, don't work hard, don't do what's expected, don't care about the work, and don't notice our efforts, we feel righteously upset. And that sense of unfairness can lodge in our hearts as bitterness, resentment, envy, pride, and anger. Sometimes our anger is directed at God because life is unfair. And we blame God when it is. I felt that after my divorce when I felt like I didn't deserve this. God should fix things for me. I was a good Christian. I did all the right things. I served in the church. I read my Bible. And God should fairly fix my life. I would listen to other people tell testimonies about how God had changed their spouses and renewed their marriages. And it made me mad because I deserved that. And I struggled with that sense of unfairness for a while. And I think you know that feeling because life is unfair. And this parable troubles us because it does seem unfair. The early workers worked all day and they were to receive a denarius. So those people that worked half a day should have gotten half a denarius, and the people that worked only an hour should have gotten far less. That's what would be fair. And this is the problem that Jesus addresses in the parable. The workers want fairness, but the landowner offers them something far better. The landowner gives them grace. And the reason Jesus told this parable was because his disciples struggled with this. In the previous chapter, in chapter 19, a rich young man had asked Jesus what he must do to get eternal life. And he told Jesus he had followed all the commandments all his life. He had lived a good, righteous life. And he expected Jesus to commend him and reward him for that. But Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't give him any praise at all. In fact, Jesus told him, that's not enough. Here's what you should do. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the rich man couldn't do it, and he walked away sadly. And this seems unfair. This man should have gotten some praise for his obedience to the law. And the disciples were astonished at this, and they were a little upset. They were concerned about their own situation. And Peter voiced their concern in Matthew 19:27, And he said, we have left everything to follow Jesus, to follow you. What then? Will there be for us? And you can imagine the anxiety and worry in Peter's voice because they had left everything. Their homes, their businesses, their means of support, their families, they had left everything. And Jesus reassured Peter in verse 28. He said, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Jesus reassured Peter that they would be rewarded. They would be honored. They had left a lot behind, and Jesus recognized their sacrifice. 
they would be richly rewarded. Jesus says a hundred times what they left behind. He recognized their worth. But he makes this ominous statement, many who are first will be last, and many who, will last, who are last will be first. And that leads into the parable of the workers in the vineyard. It's a warning against pride. Jesus is warning the disciples that that desire for recognition and for fairness makes them susceptible to wrong motives and wrong attitudes. It sets them up for self-centered thinking and pride. And in the parable, the early workers were self-centered. Their complaint wasn't that the late workers should have been paid less. Their complaint was that the, early work, the late workers had been made equal to them. They weren't just concerned about the money. They were concerned about status and worth and their place in society and being seen as better than those other people. Their complaint was that you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. And this is pride. This is the sin of pride. The truth is that the early and the late workers were all actually equal. They were all day laborers. They were all wanting to be hired for work. They were all poor, not citizens, vulnerable and dependent on the landowners to hire them. They were all standing in the marketplace all day, all spending the entire day in the hot sun. And the late workers were not lazy or irresponsible or unwilling to work. We make this wrong assumption that they were less deserving because they were hired later at the last hour. But verse 7 says the only reason they're not working is because no one hired them. They're still waiting to work. The only difference between the early and late workers was in when they got hired. And the landowner knows this, that all the workers were equally seeking work. They were equally deserving. And he has a completely different perspective. The early workers see unfairness, but the landowner says, not so. See, from his point of view, this is fair. It's right. It's fair. And this is a generous wage for everyone. A denarius is one day's wages for a Roman soldier, which is generous for a day laborer to receive. It's more than they would have been paid normally. And they knew what they would be paid. They were happy with what they would be paid until they saw what the late workers got. Only then, only when they saw that equal pay, did they feel offended and upset and resentful. To them, it was unfair. But to the late workers, it was generous gracious. It was extravagant. They were getting a full day's pay for an hour's work, even though they had stood in the marketplace and waited all day long. They received the same wage. And they're full of gratitude and joy, happy to serve, happy that the landowner hired them and willing to work for him any time. The landowner represents God. And Jesus says he is not unfair. He's generous. He has the right to decide what to pay them. The problem is not the equal pay. The problem is the envy and pride of the early workers. The early workers want fairness, but they get something far better. The landowner gives them grace. And this is far better, far better than fairness. God is generous and gives us grace. See, we think we want life to be fair, 
But we really only want fairness when we have been good and we deserve reward. Fairness means not only reward for the good, but punishment for the bad. And it means not only punishment for bad people, but punishment for us when we do bad things. In a perfectly fair world, we would not only be rewarded when we deserve reward, but we would be punished when we deserve punishment. Fairness means we get exactly what we deserve, good and bad. If life were fair, it would mean we get what we deserve every time we sin and every time we do the wrong thing, every time we lie, cheat, gossip, every time we get angry, envy, covet, lust, every time we think mean thoughts, exaggerate our accomplishments, say mean things that hurt people, every time we say we'll pray for someone and we neglect to do it, every time we act selfishly instead of helping someone, or every time we get lazy and sleep in instead of coming to church. Every time we make the wrong choice, the bad choice, instead of the good one, every time fairness means we get what we deserve. Do we really want that? One of the times when I complained bitterly about the unfairness of life was when I was helping my mom during the last few years of her life. And I felt it was unfair that I had to do the bulk of the work in supporting and helping my mom, and that my siblings did so little. And really, my sister had her own health problems, and she really couldn't help much. But that didn't stop me from feeling resentful, anyway. My brother lived a little bit further, and my mom would say things like, oh, I don't want to bother him. He's so busy. And that would make me even more irritated, because what about me? I was busy. Why wasn't my time as valuable as his? It wasn't fair. But really, I knew then, and I know for sure now, that it was a privilege and a blessing to spend all that time with her. On drives to her doctor appointments and sitting in waiting rooms, we would talk about everything and everyone. And it was fun. My mom was kind of fun. And she was surprisingly honest and self-aware. When we would talk about the past, she would ask me how I felt about things, and she would apologize for her mistakes. And that was so healing. Those conversations were so healing for me. It was unfair that I got called on to help so much of the time. But I got far more than I deserved. It was full of grace. I wanted fairness. But in the unfairness, I was blessed. It was God's generous grace that gave me a deeper relationship with mom and those healing conversations. And I realize now that I was forced to spend that time with her, but it was a bonus. It was a blessing. I don't know what would have happened if my siblings had done their fair share. But I saw it as unfair. But God saw it as an opportunity to pour out grace and blessing on me. In a perfectly fair world, there would be no room for grace. Fairness means we get exactly what we deserve. And grace, by definition, is undeserved. Grace opens us up to an abundance of possibilities. It means we get far more, far better, far greater than we deserve. Grace is far better than fairness. It's what God offers us, generous grace, love, 
forgiveness, healing, wholeness, possibilities beyond our imagination. Next time you start to complain that life is unfair, that God is unfair, remember that's a good thing, far better than fairness. God is generous, and the kingdom of heaven operates on grace. And the truth is that we are all late workers. From the disciples' perspective and time, we came later. Time-wise, we have all come to Jesus on the shoulders of those who have come before us. But more important, we have all come to Jesus by grace. None of us deserves it. None of us has come to Jesus because of our hard work and our effort and because we deserve it. None of us is perfect deserving of eternal life. We are all late workers. We are all equally in need of the grace of God. And when we understand that, we understand this parable. And we love this landowner who gives us more than we deserve, who invites us in, sees us as equal, sees us as equally worthy, late workers and early workers alike. And Jesus wants the disciples to understand that they will be honored and rewarded, not because they earn it or deserve it, but because God is a generous God. Right after Jesus tells this parable, he started heading toward Jerusalem, predicting his death and resurrection in a little over a week. And the mother of two of the disciples then asked Jesus if her sons could sit next to Jesus in the kingdom, in the places of honor next to the king. And when the other 10 disciples heard about this, they were upset, indignant, not because it was wrong, but because it was unfair. They wanted that honor too. And in Mark 20, 25, Jesus says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus began and ended the parable of the workers in the vineyard with the statement, the last will be first and the first will be last. And here he explains that statement. The high officials will be last, the servants will be first. And he ties together this narrative with the complete reversal of values in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells them to measure greatness by servanthood, to be great at serving. In the kingdom, the first and the greatest will be, are the servants. The high officials and the authorities are last. And Jesus wants the disciples to understand that the kingdom of heaven operates on a different system, by different values. The world earns, strives, competes. And grace cuts against our natural impulse, our natural impulse towards earning and deserving and towards rooting out unfairness. We measure worth and greatness by who has the most, the most money, the biggest influence, the best job. God measures greatness by servanthood. God is generous. The kingdom operates by grace. And the people of the kingdom serve with generosity and grace. And Jesus calls us to measure greatness by servanthood and to be great at serving. The message and warning of the parable is to address our early worker tendencies, 
to check our attitudes toward others. The early workers put themselves first, wanted more, and thought they deserved better. And Jesus tells us to think less about what we get, to think less about what we earn and deserve, and to think more about grace and generosity and serving. Don't let those selfish attitudes grow and take root in your heart. Choose grace and generosity. Be great at serving and serve with grace and generosity. Jesus calls us to love and serve one another, to be patient, kind, forgiving, to be generous and to give grace. And when we recognize those early worker tendencies, the pride, the envy, the resentment, we need to check our attitudes. We have to nurture grace, to choose it, to be intentional about serving with grace. We love others because God first loved us. He calls us to love and to serve others. And God is a generous God. He does not give us what we deserve. He gives us more than we deserve, better, greater. He forgives our sin and loves us unconditionally. He overlooks our weakness, and he uses us, empowers us in mighty ways. He offers us generous grace, love, power, forgiveness, healing, wholeness. He offers us abundant, eternal life. And as we consider this parable in light of Easter, as we enter this holy week before Easter, we can't help but think of the definitive act of grace and generosity that Jesus is moving toward. A few days after telling this parable, Jesus will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he will be celebrated as king. And then a few days after that, he will be arrested and crucified and die a horrible death on the cross, taking the punishment for our sins, unfairly dying for us. Jesus shows us his grace and generosity. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in this ultimate act of grace and generosity, Jesus dies for us. He rises again so that we can be forgiven and have a relationship with God and live the abundant, eternal life God gives us. And that's the grace and generosity of Jesus. Let's be people of grace and generosity. And let's be great at serving. Let's pray.